I'm Steph Van Schilt. And I'm Ronnie Sullivan. Welcome to this bonus mini episode of Sisteria. What's a bonus mini episode, you ask? Well, to be honest, we love making the show as much as we love our listeners. So we decided, because it was such a long break between seasons, we'd make sure that none of us would ever be without Sisteria for too long ever again. So throughout season two, we'll be dropping into your podcast feed on the reg with little treats to fill the silence between our episodes, including some bonus surprise guests. Which leads us to introducing our first ever mini episode guest, our new producer, Jessica Lucchino. Yay! Yay! Wait, we've got to do this formally. I've got to read your artist bio. Oh. Jessica is a content creator and audio producer, currently working with ABC Radio. She's worked across radio, online and print, including local Melbourne community broadcasters, Triple R and Sin Radio, Vice News and the YMCA Australia Press Gallery. Most importantly, she produces Hysteria. Welcome, Jess. Welcome, Jess. Yay, thank you. Obviously, the best line in that bio is the part where I produce Hysteria. We so, so too. Oh, bless you. Yeah. Very it impressive sucks. credit. Oh, it's it's the most exclusive <laughs> credit. The most. It's pretty cool to have you from the other side of the glass in the studio. Yeah, I know. I snuck in. You did. <laughs> the door was about to close. <laughs> no, it's so great to have you. And we figured because you are such an important and integral part, it would be really great if the listeners got to know you a little better. So we thought we would take the opportunity to have you on for our first mini Arrogant Aunt episode. Wonderful. I look forward to being as arrogant as physically possible. <laughs> Is anyone else an aunt here? I'm an aunt. I'm not an aunt. I'm not an aunt. Shout out to Asha, who's two and won't ever listen to this. Love you, boy. <laughs> You're an aunt. We're arrogant. It works. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, for those who don't remember, Arrogant Aunt is a segment where we answer questions submitted by the listeners with authority we just don't have. It's an exercise in imposter syndrome for all of us. This week, we have a question from Zoe, who writes, Hello, Sisteria. I'm about to start a new job after working in the same place for over five years. I have no idea how to approach the social and professional stuff around it. So do you have any tips? We figured this would be a good question to uh, present to you, Jess, because this is your new job and obviously you've had many hats before. Ronnie, when did you start your job? It's relatively new, right? Yeah, I started working at the Wheeler Centre at the start of 2018, so it's been about... 11 months. All right, so still kind of this year. It still year. feels very new. Mm. I think you need at least 12 months in mm. one role before you stop doing new things for the first time. And I'm kind of a temp and freelancer, but my latest temp job has gone for ages, so it's kind of not really new anymore. <laughs> oh, I promise it's temporary. That's me talking to myself. <laughs> so, do we have any tips for Zoe? How was it for you starting with us? Terrifying. Yeah, we've in, a, in the head. best no. possible way. <laughs> I think that's an excellent question and I was thinking about this and frankly I think that's a question that almost exclusively women ask themselves which is really disappointing and I think that ultimately when I was racking my brain as to how to answer this because I don't feel like I'm qualified to answer it but this is arrogant art we're meant to be arrogant so I will qualify myself now I think you just have to approach opportunities like this with the confidence of a white is male which is like such a that's an answer that people have heard now a few times but I think you need to keep reinforcing that idea because every time I've started a new role and I meet men who work in the job with me or in the job alongside me I'm always kind of re-shocked again as to how easily they just say yes even though they don't know the answer and it takes a few times to hear that before you realize that you can do that too. And if anything, you might be even more qualified and it really just is grasping it and taking control of it and having a little bit of that confidence and push behind you. It's 
so easy to assume that you can't do it when so often you will work it out. You just have to keep pushing. Yeah, I think there's a statistic about um, job applications and that women will often only apply for a job if they feel like they hit every criteria mm. for the role, whereas men will go, well, I've got three out of five, that's good enough, and Absolutely. they'll fully, you know, be, I'm the best person possible for this job and here's why. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of value in that aspect of that confidence, mm. you know, in, in being able to back yourself 100%. And I think that with taking on new opportunities, the worst thing a very good friend and mentor of mine once told me that why on earth would anyone apply for a job that they already know everything that they're going to do? And I think that's true for life and for work. You want to keep learning. And the best way to do that is to throw yourself in the deep end and try the challenge. That said, I understand the anxiety behind it. Obviously, it would be great if everyone could wake up with the confidence of a cis mm. white man. But Zoe, I read this and was kind of like, oh, I identify hugely with this. I suffer from pretty bad generalized anxiety disorder. I'm medicated for it and I didn't know that I suffered from it for a long time. I just thought everybody woke up every day and vomited or ate breakfast and shat themselves. And like I just really thought that it was kind of normal to be hating yourself so deeply and feeling like you couldn't fit in anywhere. And when I started my first kind of grown-up job, which wasn't necessarily even a job I wanted to do. It was kind of admin. I needed it to pay the bills. I would have been in my early 20s. And I remember being so frightened that I drove in and then went and sat in my car in an underground car park and ate lunch on my own because I was so scared to be around anyone else and I didn't know how to do it. And I mean, in hindsight, I overcompensated by drinking and doing all of those things that are kind of part of Australian workplaces that can become really unhealthy, which at that time it was for me. But now, as I said, I kind of do temp work. So I jump from office to office and I'm used to it. So it's kind of identifying how deeply that anxiety runs within you and what kind of things you can do to help. Because obviously I've had therapy, I'm medicated, I pretend that I do exercise. I <laughs> like, I have become more confident as time has gone on and I found like what I have wanted to do mm. as well. So I think that's also part of the journey of finding your confidence. And I totally agree the same experience for me. I see a psychologist regularly and that's been a new development in my life that's really helped me deal with it. I've never not been anxious trying something new and trying stuff like this, taking on roles that are amazing like this one. I think that what it actually is is remembering in that intense moment of anxiety, there's a point where you have made the decision that you might want to try this. And there's something in you that sees a goal there. It's It might be really far, but there's something there that you're reaching for. And I think that what it actually is, is just constantly reaffirming within yourself the value of that goal, what that goal will give you, what that might achieve. For me, taking on opportunities with work is that I want to be as good at this as I can be. And I'm not going to let my anxious and terrified brain get in the way of that I just refuse to let it stop me it will slow me down it does slow me down and which makes me quite sad sometimes but if I don't look out at the goal ahead I think that that's probably the biggest way to block yourself it's kind of looking over the horizon right you see the sun over there but it's very very far away I also think it's interesting that this tends to happen in creative worlds more so we don't really know what professional field that you're talking about but I know that I didn't start writing or believing I could do anything creative and I've probably said this on this podcast before until I was like late 
mid to late 20s. Um, when I was at uni, I wanted to write for the uni newspaper, but I was too scared. I wanted to write for VoiceWorks, which is so silly in hindsight that I was too scared to do that because mm-hmm. it is literally the most supportive community that you can find. So please, if you are feeling anxious about submitting to them, submit to them. They're brilliant. But I wish I could go back and tell mm-hmm. that right age limit version of myself that you can still do this and it will be hard and you will get rejected, but that's not necessarily the end of the road. Just try, like just go in there and try. Mm. And I think that that's the main thing. And trying, if you're trying, you've already won. Like you've already walked in the door and you're already sitting in the chair and you've hit the easiest part. The easiest part is just using the skills that are in you to make the thing happen you're already there the challenge is getting yourself there so if you're I feel like so many moments in my life on the drive into the opportunity I'm petrified <laughs> like mm. absolutely at every moment I see a U-turn sign and I'm like just turn around <laughs> maybe like it'll be okay and then you get there and you're challenging yourself and your brain switches into this mode of operation where you realize you can do it and the hardest part is over. You're already there. It's it's happening now. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot about the aspect of this question where Zoe mentioned the social stuff around a new job and that's obviously um, something that can make or break your experience. And for me, my current role is the first time that I've worked in an office with more than three people and so just mm. adjusting to still not very many people it's like 20 25 people but just adjusting to having all these different dynamics all these different relationships um that you're not going to be involved in every conversation or every um interaction and it's i can find that really hard to navigate sometimes Mm. and just in terms of keeping track i remember when i first started my first day at the end of the day i was really surprised that when as people were leaving they weren't all coming and saying goodbye to every single person individually and i kind of had this (laughs) impulse that i was like should i go around and like Stop at everyone's desk and say, have a good night. I'll see you tomorrow morning. You are morning. so nice. I can't even with you. <laughs> and then I thought about it. I was like, that probably doesn't happen in most workplaces just for like practicalities and I'll see you in 12 hours anyway. But, you know, that figuring out how to navigate that I think is really challenging. Mm-hmm. And for me, like stepping back and not trying to be across everything um, socially all at once, but rather developing individual relationships with people that are that work alongside our professional interactions, but are also kind of that, you know, because you spend – eight hours a day with people five days a week Mm. like you want to be able to enjoy that and you want to feel comfortable and if you don't feel comfortable with the people that you're with then how can you feel comfortable with the work that you're doing which is why Sisteria is so awful and so hard because you guys are so (laughs) gross and hard to work with I can't even well I think that was a big thing when when Jess started we were like well we're gonna have our first meeting in a bar and we're gonna (laughs) drink some Pim's cocktail jugs and that's I mean not to speak about the unhealthy work culture dependent on alcohol but but you know just like starting off as you mean to continue for us is a big thing and that you know mm. we we put our hearts into Sisteria but also it's our passion and we want it to be fun for everybody and if it's if we're not having fun and if we can't all go and get a bevo afterwards and have a, a, a laugh mm. off the air then then what's the point in doing it I'm gonna be mm. laughing at you for saying bevo <laughs> <laughs> but Jesse you having fun having okay. the most fun of my life yay <laughs> like thrilled and loving it and so happy and proud to be here and so happy and proud of what we're making it's a chat off the rooftops kind of a thing we're and so I couldn't Yay. do it without the two of you oh bless you Bob and Socks we were saying before Ronnie that this is kind of like a three-month review but it's recorded <laughs> and now everyone gets to listen to it so you've passed you we'll passed. keep you, you to stay on. thank you so much <laughs> why do I suddenly feel so anxious <laughs> <laughs> there's 
listeners, we'd also like you to stay on. So please stay tuned for future episodes of Sisteria. Catch us soon. Yay. Thanks, Jess. Yay. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Sisteria, created by women and for anyone who wants to listen. Sisteria is supported by City of Melbourne in partnership with the Melbourne Library Service. Sisteria is produced by Stephanie Van Schilt and me, Jessica Lucchiano. For links to everything we've discussed, check out our website, sisteriapodcast.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at SisteriaPod. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And if you love what we do, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes too. Our amazing theme music is by Rainbow Chan. The song is called Last and is available on her new record, Spacings. Sisteria is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and to the elders of the lands this podcast reaches. We hope you tune in again soon.